We'll discuss it in a minute, but... Are we live? We are live. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Um, this week I am joined by somebody I've tried to get on the show since literally the <laughs> first week I did this, when I did Kelson show. I asked you that week, and uh, it just hasn't happened until now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, delightful friend of the show, Mr. Jamie Greer, is here today. Hello, everybody. Uh, why are you talking so quiet all of a sudden? Am I? Oh. <laughs> you are a little bit. Um, Hello, everybody. So <laughs> one of the fun things about the show is that we just get to talk about why people are involved in politics. And you're involved in every side of politics. Uh, I see you everywhere. <laughs> every political event, every political thing that's going on, you are either directly involved in or have some very uh, astute comments on, usually on Facebook. <laughs> and uh, how did you end up in politics? Because you grew up in Bozeman, right? Let's I grew start up with in, the basics. Start with the basics. So uh, I did. I grew up in Bozeman. Um, I came out really young. I came out um, kind of transitioning between uh, middle school and high school. Um, so the mid-90s. I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to uh, date myself, I guess, in terms of my, my age. I'm 30. I just turned 30. Um, You're a and child. <laughs> I, but, but a wee gay. Um, and I... I think that had a huge amount to do with who I am now and what I do now. Um, coming out so early, I um, it that wasn't like really I had early for Bozeman. Growing up in Montana, because I, I mean, I graduated in '91, so obviously not afraid to date myself either. <laughs> Forty, thank you, people. Um, but. I didn't come out until just after I graduated. And if you came out, you're 10 years younger than me, you came out just a couple <laughs> of years after me. That's really amazing. I, you know, and I had just really, really great family. I had a really great um, administration at the school. Um, Godfrey Saunders was the principal um, at Bozeman High School and um, was really supportive. I mean, frankly, I feel like I barely got through high school. Um, I mean, I am one of those people that's very distracted by shiny objects and kind of, you know, thing. and by shiny objects for me, it's like causes and things I believe in. Um, and, you know, I, I would get really passionate and energized about things and, and uh, just not go to that Algebra 2 class. Um, so I had a lot of problems with that. Um, but my family was incredibly supportive um, and I think it's not traditionally who you would expect to be supportive. I mean, my mother um, is an immigrant from Germany, very, very progressive generally, um, and I wasn't really worried coming out to her. Um, my father is, um, you know, from the South. He's a veteran. Um, he's a baby boomer, and he's always voted um, you know, as far as I knew, um, pretty conservatively and, and said some very conservative things. And I grew up hearing, um, you know, Paul Simon's Graceland mixed in with uh, Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> That's what I heard, you know, um, in the house. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, made interesting conversations. And I think that probably just that kind of split between my parents is partly why I'm so engaged in politics. Um, but my father was really cool with me being gay. And, um, you know, when I came out to him, he he had no no concerns other than um, how much harder he felt my life would be because of this. But it wasn't um, a judgment against me as as much as a judgment against society. Right. So. And, well, and I had a similar experience with my parents. Um, 
which I thought was very weird. And I, told my, <laughs> I told my dad, and he was like, and? <laughs> that was no end. Of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you came out mid-'90s in Bozeman, and Bozeman wasn't very progressive. At mid-'90s has to be around the time that Matthew Shepard happened. Yeah. And we're not that far away. I came out right before Matthew Shepard to my dad. I came out right before Matthew Shepard was murdered. Um, my mom knew a little bit before my dad. Um, and then I was out school-wide, you know, by my freshman year. Um, and I definitely, I got thrown into some lockers. I um, dealt with, you know, some unfortunate stuff. Um, I also wasn't the only one. I came out really young. Um, but there were people who were several years older than me who were out, um, who were well-known. Um, and uh, by the time I graduated high school, I was part of a group of maybe a dozen out gay men. Mm. Um, and now it's been really interesting because the work I do is uh, centered on LGBT equality um, through the Montana Human Rights Network. And I uh, get a chance to, you know, go into our high schools and, and talk about uh, my experiences and the work we're working on. And um, it's completely different. You know, there's um, Gay Straight Alliances, GSAs, that are going strong and proud. And, um, you know, 40 kids are coming to lunch lectures and excited to hear about the work and volunteering on our campaign Things are different. Well, and that's good to hear. I mean, I volunteered at the high school too, so I, I do see some of the things that are different. I also see some of the things that are very much the same, yes. and, and distressingly so. So, um, but you know, it's good that there are, there is some change happening. There yeah, there's more. Uh, there's some good stuff. So you decided to come out, and then and you had a, obviously a very interested political family that you were growing up in. And did you always want to, you know, in the causes are your shiny things? That's that's a great <laughs> way to describe them. Um, the least. Cr- Crow-like person I've met, Jamie Greer, thinks he's a crow. Uh, ooh, um, so you started doing all this stuff. Did you start a gay-straight alliance in high school, or were you involved in the student body politics? Or I wasn't involved in student body politics. I was really involved in art club, theater. Um, I hung out with all the speech and debate kids. Um, well, they are the cool kids. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, well, and I actually still am friends with people. You know, I was just in Washington, D.C. last week, and I um, have a good friend that I've known since I was three, three or four, who's living there. And, um, you know, we were able to hang out and catch up. And um, so I definitely have some longtime friends from that time. But um, I, <laughs> my, Political involvement in high school was kind of all over the place. I was involved with a group called Turner Youth Development Initiative. I think now it's Turner Youth Project, maybe. I can't remember what it's called. It's Ted Turner's baby. Um, he donated um, a sub- substantial grant to start this program um, to get youth involved, not in politics, but to get youth involved um, in civic engagement. And, mm-hmm. and that spawned everything from a um, youth center uh, called the Green Iguana Um to uh, a weekly radio show that I was a part of for almost two years called Bridging the Gap, which was on a conservative AM radio station every Saturday morning. And we had um, a mix of guests, Roger Koopman, who's a really conservative um, former legislator who's now running for the PSC against John Vincent. Um, And the Bozeman area would be a regular guest. And um, we had folks from all the different organizations and agencies in the Gallatin County come on. Um, And then we always put in uh, students to kind of have the youth perspective. And um, so that's what I was involved with things like that. Um, I think, 
you know, I, I definitely did LGBT related stuff. Um, there was um, a poster campaign I remember doing when I was a, a senior in high school with one of my friends. Um, we put up posters. We you know, heard a recent statistic released by GLSEN, which is a group that works on uh, bullying protection and, and helping um, make sure LGBT students in the schools are safe and, and secure. Um, and it was that every um, five hours and 40-something minutes, it was basically every six hours, um, someone commits suicide in this country and it's connected to the fact that they're struggling with their own identity as a member of the LGBT community or um, struggling with uh, intolerance because of their identity. And um, we put up posters all over the school and um, I remember you know, it causing a lot of flack. There was like a counter poster campaign um, that was, you know, not pro suicide or pro um, violence necessarily, but it was definitely anti-gay. Um, and I didn't do a lot of LGBT-related stuff for a couple more years. And um, I started getting more involved in college when I was in the student government, um, involved with Lambda, um, and started volunteering for uh, campaigns. One of the first campaigns I volunteered for in um, Missoula was Dave Strummeyer's campaign, who's a city council member. He carried um, Montana's only um, non-discrimination law that protects everybody who lives, works, and visits the city limits of Missoula. I had the pleasure of being lead organizer on that campaign through my job at the Montana Human Rights Network. And um, I kind of got back into politics through helping him out, even though he didn't have an opponent. He was my neighbor, and I really believed in him. And um, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> well, not kind of history, certainly more current events. Um, so now you work with the Montana Human Rights Network now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the, the non-discrimination ordinance, obviously, in Missoula was a big deal. Um, yes. The, I'm sure the one in Bozeman was also. The Bozeman ordinance, and I, and I do want to clarify, um, Bozeman has the... Um, something to be incredibly proud of. Bozeman is the first city in Montana to have, um, the first city to have trans-inclusive policy that was passed, um, through a legislative body. They passed in January of 2010, um, a change to their, uh, city employee discrimination policy, as well as, um, extending protections, not just to city staff, but to, uh, people employed at businesses that contract with the city. Um, but it only applies to a smaller group of people in Bozeman. It's not for everybody who lives, works, and visits. Um, Missoula is the only place in the whole state of Montana where if you are in its city limits, um, you are protected if you're lesbian, gay, bi, and transgender because we are not included. Despite um, many decades of work, we are not included in the Montana Human Rights Act, which is what provides um, the base level protection from discrimination in the state. Right. So um, you worked very hard to get that passed. Mm-hmm. Um, you <laughs> had to work against some of the bigger idiots in the state. <laughs> and I get to say these things because it's my show, and I'm the mean guy. You don't have to say them. Um, but we had uh, we had some interesting groups pop up from that. The Not In My Bathroom group being the bigger one in my mind. I don't know that it was yeah. the bigger problem overall. But what did you, you know, aside from the, the fringe groups like that, what did you run into... Uh, dealing with just everyday Montanans trying to get this passed, trying to explain why it was necessary. You know, I mean, there's definitely folks who are who are loud and on the fringe who, um, you know, they just don't like LGBT people. They don't like gay people. They don't like trans people. And they want to make a big deal out of it. And, I mean, quite frankly, I think those people are always going to exist. Um, well, racists are always going to exist. We don't let exactly that on right. the air either. Ex- well, I mean... 
it's it's a frustrating it's frustrating to come up against that and i mean we certainly do even in helena we had people testifying um during general public comment not related to a public hearing about the ordinance that is before the city commission in the city um the capital city here um talking about um just really horrible untrue stereotypes of LGBT people and really, you know, trying to dehumanize and attack um, our community. That said, I I don't actually think that's the biggest problem. Um, One of our biggest problems and something that I've noticed a lot of um, is there's a lot of well-meaning people out there who I think are confused by the patchwork um, quilt of protections that currently exist. You know, right now in Montana, if you are an employee of the state, um, there's an executive order that does provide uh, protection in the workplace. Um, if you are discriminated on the basis of your sexual orientation. Um, recently, under, I believe it's through the Obama administration, um, the EEOC, um, which is a federal office that provides oversight for um, a non-discrimination opportunity commission. There you go. Acronyms. It's like an organizer hangup, and you're not supposed to say anything <laughs> in acronyms. But the gay community and acronyms, like in terms oh, of well, organizing, think about it. It's gay, and then it was uh, lesbian and gay, and then it was GLBT, and then it was LGBTQII. And after a while, we've run out of letters. When the shorthand for your movement is an acronym, like it's impossible to avoid acronyms. I mean, it's just right. so. Anyway, um, the and I use the word queer, which I'm sure drives several people wrong. But yeah, I, I definitely say queer. Um, I mean, like I say queer in situations like this, and I say queer um, when I'm, you know, in com- like just general conversation. If I'm talking to a member, you know, of like the press, the AP, the Great Falls Tribune, I'll try and say lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, and then start using the acronym just so it's clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but where was I? I was saying something. EEOC acronym. Yeah, the, the President Obama's uh, EEOC has actually, they've done a, there was a ruling that they had recently that uh, um, sexual expression, meaning gender identity and both sexuality, were protected classes well, under the sex law. It's not, it's not sexuality. So it is, it's gender identity and gender expression, which are protected um, under under sex, um, so it doesn't include gay, lesbian, bi folks, but it does protect um, through the EEOC transgender people. Um, we have obviously Missoula's law. Um, we have Bozeman's ordinance, which provides protections on a smaller scale. Um, and then there's is Bozeman's an ordinance or policy? Bozeman's it's a. Um, so it's a non-discrimination policy because it's internal. It's within their city government um, for city employees. Um, and then we obviously have a whole list of you know Fortune 500 companies that do work in the state of Montana, as well as uh, smaller companies like the Bozeman Food Co-op um, that um, have internal policies um, that provide protection. I'm fortunate enough to work for a company, the Montana Human Rights Network, um, that has... Um, one of these policies in place. It would be it would be very odd if they didn't. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> um, so we have all of this, we have the patchwork. Obviously, mm-hmm. Missoula and Bozeman are starting it. Helena may have it soon. We'll have it soon. Helena will have it soon. Yeah, we're, we're not sure. Where's it at in the process? Actually, it's taken its sweet time. Um, I <laughs> we you know it, it's funny like. A lot of people are really frustrated by how long it's taken for this to move forward. And, and I mean, the frustration is valid because, you know, I think to some people in the community, we've been waiting for less than a year. Um, but the reality is we've been waiting for generations for this kind of protection. So, I mean, there's definitely a, um, 
some some frustration, but the city is working really hard to find a solution that's unique for the city. Um, they're working really hard to um, meet our needs, the LGBT community's needs, and um, I'm confident that we're going to see uh, an ordinance pass, um, hopefully with a majority, if not unanimous vote, um, very very soon this it fall should be unanimous i seem to remember everybody who ran for office and who currently holds office said they would vote for it at one point there's one person who might have been lying well i mean things things do come up things change people have different ideas you know the um there's i think there's a lot of confusion about whether or not this is necessary and this is what i was talking about when i said something about the patchwork of laws that provide legal protection in montana um, so many of us are falling through because that that patchwork quilt is is pretty threadbare right now. Um, it's getting stronger, but I think people don't understand that we're not protected by the Civil Rights Act of 1964. People don't seem to understand that the Montana Human Rights Act doesn't provide protection to us. Um, there are these little little things that are really essential and a huge part of our lives that I don't think people recognize. Are a problem. Well, and here's the other thing that I don't think people get in a lot of cases is that this isn't about necessarily who you are or who I am. It's about who we're perceived to be. And there are plenty of people who aren't actually gay or lesbian or bi or trans or any of it. You know, they, they happen to be straight, but they don't conform to some viewpoint that somebody else has. So they think they're one of these things and can discriminate against them on that basis because it's not you know, it's not protected. Mm -hmm. About six years ago, there was um, two boys walking across the Higgins Street Bridge in Missoula. Um, both of them are friends of mine. Um, they were um, catcalled from a red SUV um, several times, and finally the car came back around and stopped at a gas station. They were trying to cross the parking lot and beat both of the men up um, really bad. One of them was in the hospital for several days. And while they were doing it, it was pretty clear that they were attacking them because they thought they were gay. Neither of them are gay. When people talk about the, you know, the question around perceived and what it means and is it important, I have my like official lobbying response, which is like, you know, these ordinances exist in over 140 cities and counties. Statewide protections exist in an additional 20, uh, 21 states, I believe. Um, you know, they were first passed in Minneapolis, Minnesota in 1975. It's nothing new. But um, a lot of them, most of them, have, you know, perceived as, as, a, as a modifier in there for a reason. And it's because... Um, this protects everybody. It protects everybody on the basis of sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. It doesn't matter if you're gay, lesbian, bi, or transgender. If you're straight or if you're cisgender, everybody is protected. Um, and something isn't translating with that. I, I don't think everybody is, is understanding why that word's important and what it means, but I think it's mostly because um, they may not realize there's this gap, and that's our job, is to talk about these stories of discrimination to come out, um, to share our stories just generally and make sure you know people understand these kinds of laws these kinds of policies impact every single bit of our lives whether it's the, you know our ability to hold our job and not have to worry about our economic security um, economic security for our families um, on down through making sure that we're able to be with the people that we love and yeah, establish and, families that are safe and 
here's the other part of it because I you know I grow my dad and my, both my my dad and my mom are very Republican and mm. it kind of cracks me up because there are people who are very much well we don't need all these regulations well I can pretty much prove we do uh, because if we don't have them people find a way to be jerks yeah. and and you know it basically yeah the law is there and you don't want to ever have to use it but you want the law to be there so that you can look at somebody and say look you're being a dick just stop you know, you can't do that. If you have a legitimate concern with someone, then you have something legitimate to work on with them. But if you're just, you know, being a coward or what's the tweet from? Um, uh, Don't say Morgan Freeman. Yes, Morgan Freeman. It's not really Morgan Freeman. Uh, Everybody's circulating it, but yeah. If it, was you, a cer- it was a certified account. But anyway. Was it, was it certified? Twi- yes, it was a Oh, there was something account. about the name was like not, the name wasn't spelled the same. So like the actual Twitter handle following the at sign wasn't spelled the same as Morgan Freeman's name. Oh, uh, well, the one that I have, it, one certified. that I saw was, uh, it had the little check mark. Oh, that makes it. me so happy. Like, um, but it was a, yeah, it was, so it was a great one. And it, it basically said, <laughs> I hate the word homophobia. Because you're not scared of the gays. You're just being a jerk. You're just being a jerk. Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know... (laughs) Well, then that's what it is. I mean, the whole thing is, is, you know, why do we have speed limit laws? We have them because people proved over and over again that they couldn't make a good judgment on their own. (laughs) Therefore, we had to put up a sign that says, you can only go this fast. We have cell phone laws in Helena has a cell phone Mm -hmm. ordinance not because we think cell phones are bad but because we've watched people make poor choices time and time again and endanger others and that's what we need this non-discrimination ordinance is because time and time again we see people discriminating on a basis that really is illegitimate and has to stop Mm -hmm. now if humans were actually you know better at doing these things well, we wouldn't have these ordinances. But because we have a bunch of angry people who are uneducated who continue to do this, we have to write it down for them. <laughs> well, that's actually one of my favorite things to say is that we're doing this work uh, until we don't have to, until we don't have to go city by city anymore. I mean, our goal is ultimately to have protection at the statewide level. Um, our goal is to ultimately have protection at the federal level. And it's important for us to have both because they overlap, they fit together. Um, we, and they're necessary. They're, and they're necessary. I mean, this is just about basic human rights. And, and when we ask, anytime you're talking about LGBT issues, it doesn't matter if you're talking about a non-discrimination ordinance, it doesn't matter if you're talking about um, you know, anti-bullying policies in the schools or relationship recognition. What we're fundamentally asking other Montanans is, do you think that me, as a, as a member of the lesbian, gay, bi, and transgender community, do you think that I am a person worthy of equal rights and dignity and you know basic fair treatment? And if you ask Jeff Laz... I can't pronounce his last Laz name. Laffy. Yeah, if you ask him, he'll say no. Um, but I would like to point out, I don't think that he deserves equal rights because he's a bigot. Hmm. Well, I, I do believe that everybody deserves equal rights and everybody deserves... Um, See, so, you're much nicer than I am. Well, so I'm, I'm coming at it from the Declaration of Human Rights. Right. Um, and, and it's basically everybody has a right to opinion. Everybody has um, a right to their belief. Everybody has a right to be whatever religion they would like to be and practice it freely without discrimination, without oppression, without violence. Um, and, I mean, these things are important for so many reasons. We live in a democratic society and... In a democracy, it only will function if people feel like they can voice their concerns and be who they are without the fear of retribution and violence and intimidation. And that applies both ways. And so, I mean, I definitely, I like to shy away from using the word bigot. Um, I don't. (laughs) It's difficult sometimes. And I mean, that's the thing is what we're seeing right now is 
so much change happening so quickly, um, but we still have so far to go. And you know, part of this trip to D.C., I was talking to people who are from the major metropolitan areas, Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A., who are very focused on relationship recognition. They're very focused on not even domestic partnerships, but full marriage equality. And it's so important that that conversation is happening, and it's so important that our president has come out in support of full marriage equality. But from my perspective as an LGBT organizer in Montana, you know, we are we are still struggling. There's still code on the books in Montana that um, Jeff Laslafi and his colleague Harris Himes have, have advocated for um, keeping at the legislature multiple sessions now that uh, makes being gay or lesbian a, a felony in the state of Montana punishable by $50,000 fines and up to 10 years in prison. And that kind of a law, like we, people, I think, you know, it's been thrown out by the Supreme Court in 2003. Um, it was thrown out by the Montana Supreme Court in 1997. We're actually ahead of the curve nationally um, in the Grison case. Um, but I, I think people sometimes look at that and they wonder why we put so much work into trying to get that scrubbed off the books in 2011. And the reality was it passed a chamber. It had never passed a chamber before. It passed the Senate. Um, and it didn't pass the House because the House was you know, very difficult to work in and, and um, definitely very opinionated. And that opinion was that LGBT people don't deserve equal protection. But um, it's important to make sure that's off the books because of the message it sends all of us as a society. It's important to remove it off the books, just like it's important to remove greedy off the wall, graffiti off the wall. Yeah. You know, and it's it. One of the things that there's so many things that drives me nuts. I don't know why I bother. I have a long list as well. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, some of the stuff that I just I don't understand how these people have gotten so far into their lives without having uh, any of the queers in it. Because you know, one of the things that I think was interesting is when my parents moved back to Montana, (laughs) and that was 2002, I think, maybe earlier. Um, you know, being Republicans, of course, they started hanging out with that crowd. Um, not a good crowd. Didn't stand on the corner, throw darts at things. I don't know. And uh, they had, you know, I'd been out for a decade at that point. They knew everything about it and it had no problem. Uh, but their friends, their new friends that they had met and made while being here, they had never really met a gay <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I jokingly call it, you know, the, it's when you have to be the ambassador from Queens. But that's the truth. <laughs> you end up meeting these friends of the family or friends of your parents that have never actually, you know, they know they like your parents and they probably like you and have met you in some capacity before but didn't realize that you were gay. And then mm. you have to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Always the most fun. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then they're, they're stuck with, wait a minute, I like him. He seems like a normal person. How do I? And then they have to, you know, fix that dichotomy that's going on in their head. And it, it's been amazing this time around how many of them are, are coming out on the right side. Um, actually, last night was the OPI debate. And afterwards, mm-hmm. I went out to dinner with my mom and a bunch of her friends. So it was the, you know, Republican Women's Club, basically. And me, <laughs> the ambassador from Queens. You know, I have all these, <laughs> um, you know great ladies and you know Linda Voy was there um, Bridget Holland my mom uh, uh, Judy Rolf and a couple other ladies and uh, just absolutely awesome people and being able to talk to them and go you know you're not going to support this person because of what they will do to me right and know that that's the case you know that's pretty amazing 
So we can change their minds. It's, I mean, I, I it hope, takes work. I'm hopeful that it's translating, and I think it is. I think that people are are starting to to realize that the decisions they're making in the voting booth are impacting their sons' lives, their daughters' lives, you know, their uncles, aunts, a whole the whole spectrum of their the family parents, and friends, friends, neighbors, and you know, people who sit next to them in the pews in their churches. Things are changing, and I, I I'm hopeful. I, I'm. You know, it's it. Sometimes it feels silly, but I am really hopeful. Um, but I also, I think I'm realistic, and and I know that going to this next legislative session is going to be, um, it's going to be trying. It depends um, who um, is elected governor. Um, it depends, you know, the makeup of the House and Senate. Um, it depends who wins uh, the attorney general's race. These are all really important things that are going to impact um, our ability to get pro-equality legislation moved forward um, or pro-equality policy passed that doesn't necessarily require a vote. Um, these positions are important. And I also want to say, you know, while I work on LGBT issues almost exclusively, we, um, you know, we joke that I am 90% gay um, at the network <laughs> because that is how much of my time, like literal time on my paycheck is LGBT related. Um, we work on a whole host of other issues. During the legislature, I lobby on all of our issues, everything from reproductive justice, um, which encompasses a lot of LGBT work, to um, you know immigration-related work and making sure that these nasty bills that keep coming up every session um, don't pass. And, and we actually have a really great track record of defeating them here in Montana with the work of a lot of great allies, um, you know, working on healthcare access legislation and economic um, equality, economic justice legislation as well. Um, and all of that kind of spills out into the work we do during, you know, non-legislative times too. I forgot death penalty, also working to abolish the, the death penalty here in Montana. Wow. That's a, a full plate. Yeah, full yes. plate. So let's back up to some of the fun things that you get to do. Uh, you were recently, <laughs> as you mentioned, in D.C., um, and you were wearing very fancy socks. <laughs> yes, I was. The most important pictures on my Facebook were the Argyle socks I wore to the White House. Um, yeah, I was. I I still can't believe so this happened. So how did it come about? <laughs> um, the Pride Foundation nominated five folks from the Northwest. The Pride Foundation is based out of Seattle. It's a um, uh, organization that has provided grants to the Human Rights Network for many years now. Um, they have an amazing staffer who is actually a city council member in Caitlin. Missoula, Caitlin Koppel, who's a dear friend of mine, and um, she defeated um, one of the two no votes on the Missoula non-discrimination ordinance. Uh, so she's kind of a big deal. Uh, <laughs> hopefully she'll be congresswoman um, one day. Hopefully she'll be on the show soon, too. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I bet she would love to. Um, the Pride Foundation nominated folks Folks from all across the region, five of us who they felt were um, leaders in the LGBT movement on a national scale, not just locally. Um, and it was an amazing opportunity because I got to meet this woman, Heather Purser, from the Seattle area. She's a member of the Suquamish tribe. Um, she helped um, move her tribe to uh, recognize same-sex marriage, um, as well as... Uh, activists from all over the country um, that were invited through other organizations um, representing over 30 states. Um, there was a roundtable discussion at the White House. Um, we got to uh, get a tour of the East Wing, um, which is the residential part. Um, we um, 
were invited to a barbecue at Vice President Joe Biden and Dr. Jill Biden's home, um, which was probably the most overwhelming of everything. It was just around their pool. They had some good sliders um, and some <laughs> some fancy cocktails did you, did and you, drinks. How and, long did it take you to find out what you were going to figure out what you were going to wear there? Because I know that was a question that went up on Twitter <laughs> like a week before you were going, and nobody was giving you an answer. <laughs> no, people what? were giving me answers. I got a lot oh, really? of yeah. You know what I was going to wear was the most stressful decision of my life, and it was also just the most funny decision of my life because I asked one of my friends, do you think I can wear the same coat to the round table at the White House to the vice president's place later? And I was like, I can't believe I'm asking this question. Because, you know, my background, like I come from like a very working class family. My mom is an immigrant. My dad, um, he... He, he he crushed rocks, basically. I mean, he worked in a gravel pit. My mom cleaned people's houses, and um, I barely graduated high school. You know, first person in my family to attend a four-year college. And I'm completely aware of this as I'm standing at the vice president's residence that, like, the opportunity that I have right now is, is something that I never thought I would have. And um, I'm still overwhelmed, and I still feel like the whole thing was surreal. I got to tell Vice President Biden what my dad asked me to tell him, which was, um, you know, I, I got to, to talk about his issues as a veteran um, and dealing with the VA, and um, and you could tell that Vice President Biden listened, and and um, it was just an amazing experience, the whole thing. Cool. Mm -hmm. So did you wear the same jacket to both events? Or? I did wear the same jacket to both <laughs> events. Um, I didn't end up changing because there was so much stuff that happened that afternoon. We were supposed to have a few hours off. So I actually made it a couple-day trip. Um, I got to go and meet with... Um, folks from all of these organizations that are just a bunch of acronyms because that's what our movement's about. The acronym movement, um, HRC, NGLTF, NCLR. So um, HRC, Human Rights Campaign. National, National Gay and Lesbian, Lesbian Task Force, um, National Center for Lesbian Rights. Um, I got to meet the executive director, Mara Kiesling, of the National Center for Transgender Equality. Um, just amazing people who are doing amazing work um, and it's very different perspective. Uh, they're all doing this work from the nation's capital, but uh, you know they've been really helpful in terms of um, when we have policy questions or when we need you know advice on how to handle um, certain unfortunate incidents that happen on these kinds of campaigns or during the legislature. Um, and it was really great to to actually get a put a face to the you know voice on the other end of the phone or at the other end of an email. So. Well, that's cool. So, and then you had the round table and you met a bunch of people and then you had a barbecue and you took a bunch <laughs> of pictures and, and then you went to, you went on, I would assume a little tour of town. Yes. Of DC? Yes. Over the couple day period. I mean, I definitely, are you talking about like sightseeing or? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I've been to DC before. Um, I definitely, you know, had the chance to, um, walk the mall again, a night, nighttime walk of the mall with a friend from, um, well, the friend I talked about earlier that I've known since I was a little kid, um, and then I, on Thursday, went to Senator Tester's office, um, got to chat with staff there, and actually got to see Senator Tester on his way out. He was uh, rushing to the floor to vote. Um, but I got to talk to staff um, about LGBT equality issues, and uh, it made me really proud. It made me realize that, you know, for our two senators right now, we have um, our senior senator who recently endorsed full marriage equality, um, came out in full support, and our junior senator... Um, Senator Tester has a 100% record on LGBT issues that he's had to vote on. Um, made me pretty proud. And 
it's good to it's good to, it's good to have that. <laughs> it's good it's good it to, have, good that. to <laughs> have that because we don't always have that. <laughs> no. So speaking of ways we might not always have that, how do you think the elections are going? Mm. We are what? <laughs> that's the sound I make. <laughs> that's, that's an answer, folks. That's the answer. The answer is the same uh, sound that cow makes when it's shot very low. Well, uh, um, so it's it's coming up. We're what forty five days out, something like that. Yeah, it's not very far away. No, it can't even it's, be that far because it's the twenty sixth of five thirty seven. Yeah, you know, we I had I don't have a like a countdown clock. Um, some people do. Uh, it's it's. I wouldn't have a countdown clock this year because it, you'd feel like the Mayan set something up, and it's it, just it's just too it's just too much, it's too overwhelming. I, you know, I'm hopeful about certain things, and I'm, I'm not hopeful about others. Um, and that's like the most vague answer ever. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, as long as we've got that, we just call the show. <laughs> this has been real talk with Jamie Greer. Thanks, <laughs> um, people. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, there's definitely, as a lobbyist, I'm concerned about what's going to happen in 2013. And 2011 was an, nightmare. a nightmare. There's no other way to describe it. Um, it was my second time as a lobbyist, um, which my perspective, it seems like for, you know, us in the, in the dirty, awful industry of lobbying, um, there's hey Reberg likes you. <laughs> I just I always have to say that because I get so mad when people are like I don't I don't talk to lobbyists. I'm like, well, some of us are not. I mean, there's what about the Human Rights Network? What about NARAL Portrace Montana? What about Planned Parenthood? What about ACLU of Montana? What about the Montana Coalition Against Sexual and Domestic Violence? Like, we have a a very very important role um, in helping shape policy and help helping lawmakers make decisions that impact the lives of every Montanan every single day. Um, but, I, I, you know, 2011 was awful. They, it, and, it, and it spread out further than just our, you know, little group of progressive lobbyists. It also impacted uh, people who, who came to the Capitol to testify. We had uh, our lobby day as well as two different hearing days um, for a bill that I know you've talked about on your show, um, House Bill 516. 516. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've only made, I, I had to go back and check, but I think I've made it through three shows where I haven't mentioned that bill. I talk about it constantly, and I talked about it with people in D.C. I talked about it, you know, like everywhere I go, because it was a horrible, horrible bill brought forward by, just for your listeners who don't know, um, a legislator from Haver, which isn't anywhere near the city of Missoula, um, very different in terms of city size, structure, everything else. Um, she was upset with um, the people of Missoula for for moving forward with a non-discrimination ordinance and wanted to revoke it, turn back the clock on uh, everybody's hard work, which, I mean, I often say the expression rights don't... Um, rights expand, they don't contract. Um, I like to say that a lot, and she was trying to move us backwards, um, as well as block any other cities from passing similar ordinances. And uh, we had people come over a mountain pass that had to leave, you know, Missoula at five in the morning. Um, they came over because they'd put sweat and tears and so much of themselves um, into this ordinance, and they wanted to defend it. And the legislature was irresponsible and gave gave us 10 minutes for this entire hearing, which from my perspective as a lobbyist and working with my other lobbyists in this little cohort, we were able to kind of get that 10 minutes down to a science. Um, but on this bill, we really wanted to have people who were impacted by this legislation and who worked on this legislation um, kind of showcased and focused on. And um, it was 
it was awful. But, you know, we came together and we had our own hearing. We figured if they're not going to give us a fair hearing, we'll hold our own. So we got a loudspeaker. Uh, we worked with the ACLU and several other groups um, and set up by the Jeanette Rankin statue and um, did our own hearing. And I think it took like an hour and a half to get through. I was stuck in the committee. I didn't get to watch. <laughs> I had like six bills up that day. It was yeah, awful. Um, I, I, re- I remember running into you several times during the session because um, I worked just down the road from mm-hmm. the Capitol. It's not like I can't get there. And I feel bad for the people that came from Kalispell or, uh, yeah. or you know, Wolf Point. And sometimes you couldn't even do it because there were bills. You know, Michael Moore, who is, um, I, he's not coming back. Um, I, I'm trying to think what he ran for, but I mean, maybe he ran for something different. I can't remember what's going on. I'm losing it in my brain. But uh, he was a representative from Gallatin Gateway and he, um, had bills come forward in committee in House State Admin where there was like 16 hours notice. And for us in Helena, that's no problem. But Right, for, but for people across the state? It takes 14 hours to drive across the state. Yeah, there's right. no way. So, I mean, that was just, those are just a couple of stories that are indicative of the lack of respect that the legislature showed um, every day in people. Montanans. Not just the dirty lobbyists. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what was funny a couple of times is I, there were a couple of times when 516 was being discussed, one of them being uh, the time when Ellie Hill just mm. flattened Harris Himes uh, beautifully. Um, wasn't as mean as I thought she could be, but then let's be clear, that's me. <laughs> and uh, in that discussion, there was, uh, that was one of the few times when they made sure that there was an equal amount of time on both sides of the issue. You know, because they let the other side talk a lot. I think there was equal, it was like equal 10 minutes or something. Um, yeah, I had a clock each side. and they went um, to 17 minutes on the other side and I held them to 17 minutes on ours. That whole, that whole experience, you know, Representative Hill did, um, um, a fantastic job in house judiciary. Um, and, and you know, I've seen that YouTube many times and I will never, ever forget the feeling in that room when she asked that question, because I knew what Harris Himes answer was going to be. I knew it. But I was surrounded by people who were in the LGBT community or really good allies of our community who were there to testify and cared a lot about our community. And, I mean, I immediately go into thinking about what what's happening in all their brains. Because the, re- the reality is I'm used to this stuff. Like, I have been called out on Jeff Lasloffy's show. He's said some pretty awful things about me on the radio. He's said some awful things about me in committee. Um, these people say terrible things um, frequently, very publicly. Um, but I'm used to it and I get paid to deal with it and I've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, when it's folks who have put their hearts into a campaign and are fresh to this, it, it breaks my heart. It's, it's not fair for them to have to hear what comes out of you know, these, the mouths of Harris Himes. So <laughs> in the faces of them, the, the mouths of Harris Himes. It sounds like a horrible book. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like the sequel to the bridges of Madison County, but gone wrong. Uh. <laughs> So we've talked about some of the distressing things. What are the good things that have come up in the last couple of years for you politically? The good things. Well, I mean, obviously in Missoula, the greatest moment of my life, hands down, which I I mean, some people are going to roll their eyes and some people are going to be like, oh, my God, you need to get out more. Was (laughs) at like two o'clock in the morning in Missoula when that ordinance finally passed, because it was the first time that we had a legislative victory that involved LGBT people in the state of Montana. That wasn't just a city policy. That wasn't something internal. That wasn't a court victory. It was a legislative body that voted 10 to 2 and said everybody who lives, works, and visits our city limits is equal. And it was um, one of the best moments of my life. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that happened around the health enhancement curriculum campaign um, in Helena a couple years ago. Um, 
which it's wild to me to think that that was a couple years ago now. It feels like it was yesterday. Um, the city of Helena, our school board, um, was taking up uh, regular revisions, just regular revisions in the um, health enhancement curriculum. And... Um, and then Fox News got involved. And then Fox News showed up. I will never forget Fox News using 100% all of their B-real footage of um, the city of Helena was of our civic center, which looks like a mosque. Like everybody when I was growing up thought Helena had a mosque. And I felt like there was something so interesting about like, that's the only image that they consistently showed every hour on the hour. We were the top five news stories between like wildfires in Greece and Italy, like economic global collapse, like something happening in space. And then, oh, there's a health enhancement curriculum in the city of Helena. And they would show our beautiful civic center. And I really think that like, they know exactly what they're doing. (laughs) They knew that they were working people up into just a frenzy and they were talking about gay people in this horrific way. And that's why we got involved was the casual reference into a microphone several times of how this, you know, was uplifting the values of, you know, the San Francisco lifestyle. And when I hear that, I have to raise my hand (laughs) because that they're talking about me. And they're talking about you, and they're talking about LGBT people, and um, we we have to call I'm them out on sorry, it. Sorry, but if I was living the San Francisco lifestyle, I'd have a lot more money because it's really expensive. It's expensive <laughs> to live in San Francisco. <laughs> um, I live yeah. in Montana because I actually don't want to live the San Francisco lifestyle. I mean, I, you know, one thing that was really fun, and what I mean by that, I have to explain it before it's taken out of context, but I when I was in DC, you know, people from all over the country were talking about the work they're doing. And there were so many people who were coming from like urban, urban, urban areas, the coast, Chicago, Detroit, um, you know, certain pockets that are moving forward exponentially fast on LGBT policy. And, um, I, when I got up to do my 60 second spiel, I talked about, you know, the work we're doing in Montana. And then I said, I come from a state, I come from a city that's huge. I live in one of the state's biggest cities. It's the capital city. And then I was like, and we have about 30,000 people. And you could just see people's eyes like, like, that's a neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's like my apartment building is what probably some people were thinking. And, and that's true. I mean, it's just a different, it's a different environment. Um, I, I, I do. I like Helena. Man, two things. I never would have thought I'd be at the White House or the Vice President's residence, and I never would have thought I would say I like Helena. <laughs> I love this little town. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. I think it's cool. You know, having grown up here, I didn't think I would say it either, so right. I feel bad. Um, so the elections are coming up. We obviously have a lot of uh, big races that are going on. I know a heck of a lot of money has been thrown in a, to a couple of races. $580,000 targeting Pam Busey's attorney general race. I just don't, I can't comprehend that. I can't either. I'm like, what are they hoping to get? You know, and uh, well, you know, I, I know Tim. Votes. <laughs> okay. Good point. You know, I, I have a show about politics. You'd think I'd have that clue. But um, after the votes, I'm not sure what they're expecting to get out of Tim. They're trying to work people into a frenzy over Obamacare. And I just don't, I mean, that seems like that's what the ads, that's my understanding. It might have even been in Mike Dennison's article that that's specifically what the ads are going to be about. I don't know. What frustrates me so much about this issue is how many people's lives are so much better because of the ACA, the Affordable Care Act. Um, and people's lives are only going to continue to get better as more and more provisions of this take effect. And when you break apart the ACA, when you say very specifically, point by point, these are the things that it does, 
and you ask someone a question like, how do you feel about your children being able to stay on your insurance plan until they're 26? How do you feel about making sure that nobody be denied coverage because of a pre-existing condition? When you break it apart piece by piece, people love it. People think it's the greatest thing ever. It's a long time coming. It could be even better. Like the responses are amazing. And well, let's yet, call it what it is. It's Romnicare. Well, <laughs> yeah, and that's a whole different topic. I mean, like I can go off. One of my favorite things to go off on is is the fact that we are looking at you know this incredible piece of policy that could be better, could be made so much better. It's not perfect, but it's making real people's lives better every day. And you know, it's it's. It's something that was lifted up by a Republican once, um, and the party has moved so far to the right, so far to the extreme right, that it's now like... He has to deny his own good works. It's mind-blowing to me. Yeah. And it says a lot about us as a left, too, I think. Well, it says a lot about us as a people, that we've gotten to the point where we've decided that this binary equation is the only way we can function. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it very interesting. I love looking at the way other governments work. I love... British government specifically because they do have they have two major parties but then they have the minor parties that get yeah. in there and mess with things and and the the different groupings that happen and then Canadian politics is very much that way as well yeah and we don't have that we um, we almost got a part of we got the bad parts of that with the Tea Party <laughs> but oh my goodness uh, but yeah. we really didn't have we really don't have a, a third party that can you know let the other two act like barking dogs and pick which lease they're going to follow for a while right. and and lend authority to. So it's it's interesting that we have this this binary equation of uh we have to do this or that and nothing in between. Um the ability to work together seems to be um sort of some lacking. concept of the past. Yeah, I don't I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what happened. What worries me and when people start talking about third parties, you know, I've got so many friends that don't want to vote. I've got friends who are engaged, who care about their rights. Um, they're not stupid. They're incredibly intelligent people who just don't want to vote because they don't agree with the system. They're fed up with it. They don't feel like they have a voice, blah, blah, blah. Those are real. Well, if you don't vote, you don't have a you voice. You don't have a voice. And that's, it's really difficult to get that across to some people, especially when you're part of a, a group of people that's experienced so much oppression. Um, but, you know, I see... I see people caring about local issues so much more than they care about national issues. Um, and I think because it's more tangible. I mean, people are able to walk up into a city commission hearing in Helena and, and talk about why they want this ordinance to protect LGBT people, what it means to them. Um, they're able to you know, run into the mayor on the street. Um, in Montana, we're really fortunate to have such a such an easy access to elected officials on every level. I mean, from running into, you know, Senate and, and congressional staff, staff to, um, you know, it's state house running into the senators themselves, like at a restaurant or something. I mean, it's just so open. Um, I think it creates, um, a lot of excitement, um, around political issues for some people. And, and hopefully, hopefully that translates. Like I keep saying this, but I hope that people, I hope people vote and I hope they make the right decisions. And, um, I hope people realize that, you know, just because a representative or a senator or any other person running for any other office, um, has, has said something that's made you feel excluded or alone, that you're not alone. And there's a lot of us working to, um, to change things for the better and make sure that that stuff doesn't happen again. So 
Cool. So what else do you have planned? I mean, I know it's election season, so a ton of stuff is going on, but you don't officially have any stance on any... I have no official stances. Um, yeah. I mean, I have... At least not on this radio show. <laughs> I obviously care about people's races. I volunteer right. for a lot of candidates. I have, you know, weekly um, weekly volunteer nights at different, different candidate offices, and um, I'm pretty engaged. Um, if you're af- asking a question, if I have a life right now, I do not have a life. Um, I think you do. It's just wrapped around politics. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I think is funny is people they they stay out of politics because it, it runs so long. Yeah. And by the time they really want to get involved in it, especially Montana with the the new the absentee ballots are out next week, week after. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's about the time when they really want to be involved anyway, and they can already vote. Uh, they're yeah. not going to be that involved. Hopefully they're educating themselves enough on the issues and not paying attention to the ads on TV. Although I do think TiVo has actually made advertising on TV for politicians a really ridiculous affair. I don't actually, I have seen so few because I don't watch um, over the air television. And so I I just have like Hulu and Netflix and then I get ads forwarded to me if they're especially heinous, you know, Mm -hmm. someone will send something. Um, but that's it. So I, it's, well, I feel like I I'm missing watching, out. I was watching Hulu the <laughs> other day, and there was... Are there a, political ads on Hulu? Yes. What? There was a Reberg ad, and then there was a <sighs> tester ad. And then I was on live stream, and there was a tester ad. And then <laughs> There's definitely Reberg ads on uh, Pandora, which is great, because I'm like, I'm listening to a station that's like Dinah Washington and the Scissor Sisters combined. Do you really think I'm going to vote for Denny Reberg? <laughs> Let's just be clear. Dinah Washington. Let's have a kiki. The Scissor Sisters. <laughs> maybe even the Pet Shop Boys are included in there. And like, why do you, why do you think I'm exactly. a Reberg voter? Why would you want to, or independent? <laughs> it's like, Good or undecided at this point, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so with the election coming up, November 8th, what are you planning on doing? I mean, other than either celebrating or crying. <laughs> I... Gonna take a week off? Gonna Well, I'm asking mostly what are you gonna do between election time and the first of the year? Because That's much year. easier to ask than the day after. Because the day after I'm like, I don't know. I will be sleeping. I, I would, <laughs> well, it just depends on what's happening. I mean that's you know, the, I waking up the election day the day after the election in two thousand ten was a bummer. Um and I I'm way more hopeful about twenty twelve. Um so hopefully I, I will wake up at a decent hour and feel like I can actually leave my apartment. Um, <laughs> I, you know, going into the next couple months, we have um, obviously our Helena ordinance campaign. We're hoping for a vote by then, um, but there's, no, I mean, there's no guarantee of when the vote will be. We don't have a schedule yet. Um, so, I, I mean, my my work isn't ending on election day. Um, we have, you know, a substantial get out the vote um, program that we're doing. Um, we're working closely with groups like Montana Women Vote. Um, well, also, we're hoping to get the ball rolling on an ordinance campaign in Bozeman um, to have an ordinance that protects more than just city staff um, that goes further. Uh, so, I mean, those are the things that I'll be doing in the, in the, in the middle. Um, and then early January, the chaos begins. <laughs> So it's not going to be any worse than it was last time, though. And every, See, I say that to people, and they're challenge like, worse. exactly. Don't challenge People worse. are like, you don't even know. And I'm like, really? Because oh, it could be. I, although, you know, here's the thing. I'm, I, last session was so bad that if it were worse, I think we'd have riots. 
I really do. I don't, you know, the last, my first session, everybody was like, it's a 50-50 house. Your life is going to be awful. It's going to no. be the worst. 50-50 is going to be easy because they have to work together. We There's passed no legislation. Exactly. Like, I mean, we didn't pass any bills last session. Last session, it was about killing the awful bills and, and also making sure that, you know, our proactive legislation, which we brought up in sessions that I can't even fathom being worse than 2011. Um, they have been. I mean, you know, people have... The words that were coming out of people's mouths into microphones from people like Harris Himes were once coming out of, you know, elected officials' mouths into microphones. It was a very different time in the early 90s, and we have made some progress. <laughs> but, um, you know... But we are not done. We are not done, and legislation that was proactive was coming up then as well. So um, we're going to keep carrying it every session until it passes. Cool. Anything else? I'm just glad I finally did the show. <laughs> it's about time. I, I can't wait to hear it. And um, yeah, I think thanks for the great. opportunity. Well, thanks for being on the show. Everybody, if you'd like to get a hold of Jamie, he is on Twitter at Jamie Greer, and that's J-A-M-E-E-G-R-E-E-R, correct? Correct. Oh, I spelled his name right. I have to be God. difficult. I, I, yeah. And if you look, he's got two backwards. They're actually two schwas <laughs> <laughs> in his Twitter name. Uh, it's just in the name, but not in the, the actual handle. Yeah. Um, and then on Facebook, you are also Jamie Jamie Greer. Jamie Greer. Um, and yes. Then, and then mhrn.org for the Montana Human Rights Network is how you can find out more information about the group I work for and the stuff that we do. Right. And if you have any questions about the um, city ordinance or any of the stuff that's going on, they'll have it on their website. You yep. can also look it up at the Helena, the city website, which I will put a link to because I can never remember it. It's like helena.ci.mt.go.com. GoDaddy. I don't know. It's something else. It's pretty complicated for cities. You know, um, we also have mhrn.org slash Helena. That'll send you to um, our petition for the ordinance and also have more information uh, about the campaign. Cool. So uh, my thanks to the Helena Public Library for once again letting us use their rooms here. Uh, If you do have a meeting in Helena, there are meeting rooms available at the Helena Public Library. You just need to call and schedule time. It's very cool. Um, And uh, thank you again, Jamie, for being on the show. Thanks, Kevin.